road trip's always a good idea. Change of scenery, change of pace, chance for good conversation. Just doing something different. Even though they were going just a few miles down the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus, these two men needed a change of scenery. They, they needed an opportunity to talk things through. The funny thing was, they had no idea who they would end up speaking with. Jesus of Nazareth. His name was on the mouth and in the mind of everyone in Jerusalem. And these two men were no exception. As they traveled along the road deep in conversation, a stranger just came up, walked along with them. He asked them what they were discussing so intently, and they couldn't believe that he had no idea what had been happening in Jerusalem the past few days. And so they enlightened him. Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. You really don't know? Wow. Okay, well, he was a man of God, a prophet. The things he did, the things he said, it was obvious God was with him. But the leaders of Jerusalem, and in fact, the leaders of the church, they betrayed him, sentenced him to death, and not just any death, they crucified him. We really thought he was the one, the one who was going to deliver Israel, the one we had heard about and read about our entire lives, the Messiah. It's been three days since he died. And now there's talk of his body not being in the tomb. We're totally mixed up. Don't know who or what to believe right now. So there you have it. In a nutshell, that's what we've been talking about. Then this stranger takes on an attitude of authority. He begins teaching these two men starting at the beginning of scripture and working his way through the books of Moses and all of the prophets. When the two men reached their stop, they invited the stranger to eat with them. That's what had happened. He took bread, gave thanks, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. It was at this very moment that they finally understood. Their eyes were opened. Their minds were racing, their hearts were pounding. And all at once, this stranger, Jesus himself, disappeared. We're gonna look at that story in just a minute in Luke chapter 24, and I wanna thank Brad and Tyler, you guys did a great job. Jeremy, phenomenal job on the, on the video throughout this whole series, and so, we're we'll going to look at that in just a minute. For those who are guests, my name is Wayne, and I'm part of the pastoral team. We're very glad you're with us today. And it's been a fun event for us this weekend, as we have seen all of everybody coming in, all the kiddos, particularly dressed in all their Easter finery. It's been a, a blast to see all that take place. And um, I keep looking around, though, to see if anybody's wearing Easter bonnets. It seems like it's not kosher anymore to always wear Easter hats, but uh, I, I, I remember Easter bonnet parades when I was a little boy. I grew up in Australia, and there were always an Easter bonnet parade at Easter time, and I kind of have a fascination with hats. I don't wear them very often, but now and then I'll get out hats, and certainly when I was a younger guy, I used to wear a lot of hats, and uh, I thought I'd bring a few of them in here for you today in light of Easter so that we could uh, have a discussion of what 
what we would expect. For example, this one right here. I wore berets when I was younger. And uh, this is one from when I was uh, 21 years old. And that photo that you're looking at right now, the only way you know who's me is by looking at the photo and go, okay, whoever that's got that same hat on, right? This is the same hat as up there. And oh man, I was a dashing fellow, wasn't I? <laughs> I have another, another beret here. This, is, this has got a fascinating story. This, this one here is from Gdansk, Poland. And when Leslie and I were in Poland working over there, long story short, we, uh, we ended up having afternoon tea one afternoon with Lech Wesse. Does that name ring a bell? Uh, he was the electrician who started, really in many ways, the fall of communism along with President Reagan and Margaret Thatcher and John Paul II. And he was, um, became the president of Poland. Long story short, he invited Leslie and me to tea one afternoon. We went to his house, literally. We walked past the door where the police had shot bullets in it prior to that and where they pried the door open and he was under house arrest. And it was Leslie and me, his wife and him, and his bodyguard. And I bought this in Gdansk. I'm still dashing. <laughs> and then this one here, this one is special. Less, this kind of an Easter look, isn't it? The Easter colors. Uh, this one's really special. I was really dashing at this point because this is when Leslie and I were married. And she bought this for me on our honeymoon. And I was dashing then, I want you to know. <laughs> I have another hat as well that I think is probably more reflective of us here in Illinois uh, because baseball season starts tonight, right? The first game of the baseball season is where tonight? Chicago and Wrigley Field, and I just want to give a shout out to my cards. Yeah. All right. A few cards fans in the house. I, I, wanna, I do want to acknowledge there are probably a few cubbies in the house because, uh, yeah, yeah. Cubbies, I, I will say this is the right place for you to be if you're a Cubbies fan because Cubbies fans are very religious. They pray a lot. <laughs> and I think it's worked because you've been praying for patience and God has answered your prayers. <laughs> right? Right? So that's tonight. And uh, we'll be watching that, I'm sure. Now, one other hat I have here, for those who are guests, I was born and raised in Australia. Long family history there. And this is my Australian Outback cowboy hat. Isn't that lovely? It's very dashing, right? Here's the deal. What's with the side? Well, that's because this is what the, you wear when you're in the army, too. And so you've got a place for your rifle to go. Does that make sense? And uh, if, if you're in the Outback, this is an Outback hat. You actually poke holes in the hat right here. And you tie little strings. True, true story. And you put corks on them. Because in the Outback, there's a lot of blow flies. A lot of flies in, in the Outback. To the point where the Australians have a joke as to what's the Australian salute, it's not this, but it's this. <laughs> and you tie, you tie, um, you tie some, some, some strings with corks here to keep the flies off your face if you go in the outback. So if you ever go there, you'll know what to do, right? This is a lovely hat, um, and it's got Australian feathers and everything here. But I'm quite aware that, you know, Easter is not about what hats we wear. Though I, 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 um, I did do this. I... I, uh, I, I I remember my going to an Easter bonnet parade when I was probably about seven or eight years old and seeing all these tremendous hats that people had made, you know, where the brims go out like this. And the one that was most fascinating to me that was one that would have been done in blue, like blue water on this guy's head, and he had um, model battleships up on his hat. And it was this sea battle right on his head. And as I was thinking about that this week, I thought, you know, I bet surely somebody on staff would have had a 
would have gone to an Easter bonnet parade. So I went up and I, I contacted all the parents of everyone on staff and I said, do you have any photos? Ah. <laughs> you can hardly wait, right? So I heard back from a lovely mother down in South Carolina, a certain Mrs. Talty sent us this. <laughs> Shazam. Shazam, okay. Look at the brown eyes and everything. I have to tell you, that's not Brian Talty. I found it on the internet. <laughs> you should have seen him last night when that showed up for the first time. So here's the question. This is a nine o'clock service. We've still got two more services to go, and I'm going to show it in each service, and I need your opinion. Do you want me to tell everybody that's not Brian Talty or just leave it alone? Huh? Oh, they're loving you. They are loving you today. There's lots of love for you in the rooms. <laughs> of course, I'm aware that Easter is not about Easter bonnet parades or anything like that, and it's not even about what nice clothes we wear. The church for, for centuries has celebrated Easter and on days like today. One of the things that a lot of churches do, and we used to do it before we got large, we had all these services, we got to move quickly, and that is that... Um, Baptisms are very important, so we had a lot of baptisms last weekend. We had 17 people get baptized last weekend. Here's a picture of just a few of them that were baptized on Saturday night. Can you congratulate those people? But, but as Pastor Brian mentioned, I'm sure there are some here today that you're here because the family asked you to come, and you go, okay, church and business, and you go... Jesus rising from the dead and all, okay, see the son of God, I don't know. And you've got a, a legitimate sense, if you will, of a little bit of cynicism about the whole thing. And I would suspect there may even be some in the room would say, well, the only reason the church has Easter is to make, it's kind of a roost to make certain that everybody goes to church at least once a year. And I need to tell you, if you've got that kind of approach or that kind of thinking, you're in good company come Easter and come the resurrection of Jesus Christ because there's a story in scripture that kind of takes on that sort of attitude and that kind of question. It's what you saw the guys on the video in the, in the, in the van talking about. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 24 today, Luke chapter 24, it's about this far through the Bible. You'll find there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, take that home as our gift to you. You can see the pew pages there depending which Bible you pick up, either 1610 or 1642. And let's read the story that we saw depicted on the video, okay? Beginning at verse 13, this is the day of Jesus' resurrection. Two disciples have decided it's all bunk, basically. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, and as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And you can see, can you, can, if you got it in your mind's eye, they're walking along, and they stop, and their faces are downcast. They're really bummed that all this taken place, and he goes, one of them, Cleopas, goes, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Well, what things? What's happened? about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. And we thought it was going to be really cool and that Israel was going to have, it was going to be the best thing ever. 
The chief priests, though, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped. We had hoped. In the past, we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's three days later. It's the third day since all this took place, and now you're not going to believe what we're going to tell you. It's nuts. This is craziness, but some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our companions went to the tomb and found it. It was just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. These guys are cynics. He said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory and beginning with Moses and all the prophets? He explained to them all that was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And what happened when he began to stay with them? When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened, they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts how, what was, how were their hearts doing? Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? I like these guys. I like these guys because they've seen it all, but now they're going, man, this business of Jesus coming back to life, it doesn't sound believable at all. Because when you think about it, in their heads they're saying, Okay, we followed Jesus, and we are willing to buy into his vision for life, and we're going to say, we're going to let him be the Son of God and be a prophet and powerful indeed. But then he died, and surely this business of him rising from the dead, it's really a bad rumor at best, or at the worst, Jesus was in on this and all along, and now he was part of what must be a cruel hoax. We're not going to be gullible again. He may have taken us in the first time, but not the second time. Ah, we're not going to be subject to rumors anymore, be gullible. I, um, I think our culture is less gullible than we used to be. In the last 15 to 20 years with the rise of the Internet, we can do research on our own and we see all these silly rumors come our way via the Internet, and so we push away from them and... You know, we're not as gullible as we used to be. At least I'm not. I will tell you, there was... <laughs> when our kids were little, um, there was this thing that came home from school when we were living in Tulsa saying that Gerber Food Products had been involved in a um, multi-million dollar lawsuit and they'd lost. And the way in which they would repay everybody for the loss and for everything was that if you could prove that you had a child in your house, you could get a $500 check from them. And it came home on official school paper and everything, and I bought it. Everybody bought it. It was the rumor that Gerber was going to send everybody 500 bucks, and I was in for it. They had to do two things. Now, remember, pre-internet days, I'm that old, okay? Here's what you had to do. You had to send in a copy of your children's birth certificate and a copy of their social security card. Oh, here in 2015, we go, oh, there's the clue right there. You don't give out your social security number. But 25 years ago, you gave it out to anybody who asked. You get a notice from the school, looks official. If you can send your kid's social security number and their birth certificate, we'll send you 500 bucks. I was in. I signed it, 
Made copies, sent it off, and they never sent me my $500. Tragic. You wouldn't do it today, I know you wouldn't, but think back to how it was in those days, you would. <laughs> disappointed. Not as disappointed as these guys are. They'd done more than just sign a birth certificate and send off their social security number for people. They'd given their lives to this idea that Jesus was the Son of God. And now the whole thing is a bust. The whole thing is, I mean, it's, it's chaos in their lives, in their hearts, because they are downcast. Jesus is not really who he said he was going to be. We were going to have this great kingdom, and he ended up on the cross. How did that work? How's that working out for you? No, we're leaving Jerusalem, we're done. We may have done, we, we, in the past we may have followed Jesus, but we're not anymore, we're out of here. <laughs> I like these guys, because I get it. You get it? When life doesn't go the way you'd hoped or the way you'd expected it, it's really kind of crummy. You want to walk away from the whole thing, but then Jesus himself shows up. They don't recognize him at first. That's kind of like us. We don't recognize it when God first shows up in our lives. But Jesus began to do this. He began to walk with them, and he began to explain the scriptures to them. And do you see what happened? It says that as Jesus walked with them, it says, our hearts were burning within us. You can kind of imagine this little flame inside this, their lives. This, this little light inside their hearts begins to grow. And then with each scripture that gets explained, it becomes more real and more possible. I'd like to think that could happen through the ministry of this church and this whole community. I'd like to think that would happen in your life today, that maybe through us opening the scriptures with you this morning and maybe giving you a little bit of insight, you'd see that God, maybe after all, that God is going to walk with you. And the crummy things of the past can be shifted. We're going to help you have an experiment with that in the coming days. Pastor Brian's already mentioned to you, and I want to take you back to it again because we really are pushing this today. If you get your smartphone out, if you have a phone, or you don't have to have a smartphone, but just a phone that can text, here's what we need you to do. We need you to text the words 21 days to 24587. If you don't have a phone, you can do it on the internet. You go out and get an email. You go to firstdecatur.org slash 21 days. And we had more than, what was it, 150 people sign up last night or something to that effect, just on their phones alone. Join us in that, and beginning a week from tomorrow, you can join us in an experiment for you. You're going to see what the text is going to look like there on the left-hand side. It's going to be a short, brief text. It'll take you out to the website where you can read the scripture, and it's a one page, one page that we've put together, our folk have put it together for the people of First Christian Church with this idea in mind. Can we help you in 21 days, starting a week from tomorrow, can we help you see the scriptures come alive and begin to burn within your heart? It's a very brief passage of scripture and a single sentence prayer that you can pray. Starting a week from tomorrow, we'd invite you to get involved in that. As a matter of fact, if you don't have a phone with you, it's on the card, the card that we've got in your hand that's inviting you back to worship next week. Because I'd love to see that slow burn begin to impact your life. Because here's what I'm quite clear about these guys. They're, they're leaving the past behind. We're out of here. We're cynics. We're done. We're not going to be naive again. And then Jesus shows up, and the hope of the world is walking beside them. And suddenly, through this encounter with Jesus Christ, we have that their world is opened up again, and their life is opened up again, and the cynicism goes. They believe the resurrection. Jesus is not an imposter after all. 
and their lives are forever changed. As a matter of fact, at the end of the passage, we've got that after Jesus disappears, though it's nighttime and it's seven miles back to Jerusalem, they return at once to Jerusalem. They find the other disciples and they say, it's true, Jesus is risen. And the two tell what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them when he broke the bread. My prayer is this, that you would experience the recognition of Jesus Christ in your life in the days ahead, the resurrected Jesus Christ, and the stuff of the past would be gone, the days of the present would begin to make sense, and the days for the future would be full of hope. Would you pray with me in that regard then, please? God, I pray for the people of this room today. Lord, I ask that you, by your gracious power, would bring the reality of Jesus Christ into each of our lives. And I pray, Lord, that we would be men and women and children who experience the resurrected Christ, Lord. That we would we'd leave the past behind and the places where we don't want to be gullible, Lord, is one thing. But the places where we don't want to be cynical, that's where we want to lose, Lord. We want to be realists with hope. Realists with a plan for the future. Realists, Lord, who experienced an encounter with you through Jesus Christ. Work in our lives to that end, we pray in Christ's name.